The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. That's right, you heard it. College Basketball Dream Preview Edition number 10, the final week of the regular season, at least for the big boys. Some of the smaller conference tournaments already on the way, and we got you covered for all the big games for the upcoming weekend, including two big ones. One in the Big Ten rivalry game, Michigan and Michigan State, and the greatest rivalry in all of college basketball. We have Duke at North Carolina. We got you covered with best bets, likes from the guys, all the biggest games for the final week of the regular season. And before we get into the recap first, special announcement. We usually tape a podcast on Sunday evening. For this week, we're going to do it on Monday evening. We will cover on that next podcast all the major conference tournament games. We'll give you our sleeper picks, who we think is going to win the conference tournament, maybe a best bet if we have a line on some of them early games early on in the week. But we'll cover all the conference tournament action on the next podcast. You guys will get that in your podcast player first thing on Tuesday morning. We'll even cover a couple of the conference championship games as far as the smaller conferences go. Again, that'll be coming your way, not Monday this week, but Tuesday. We'll tape a long one. Usually our podcasts last, what, a little over an hour, hour and 15, hour and a half. This podcast could be a couple hours, guys. So make sure you're checking that out on Tuesday morning, your next podcast. Before we talk games on this podcast, first we always have to recap how we did on the latest podcast. Start it off, AJ. Okay, my name's AJ Hoffman, and I finally got off the best bet schneid, and boy, did I have to sweat it. Uh, Florida State minus four was my play. They're down 33 to 19 at halftime. They just look dead. They come all the way back and send it to overtime, and they dominate overtime, win by nine. Never a doubt, obviously. Uh, so I, I, I got that best bet home and finally broke my losing streak. And it's, it's actually kind of opened up the floodgates. I've been pretty good since. So I'm feeling good now, guys. That's good. Sleepy, how'd you do on your best bet? I did well. I was uh, 3-0, 87-2 on Twitter, 87 new followers, 2 on subscribers. Now, everybody was pretty happy. Uh, <laughs> best bet winner, Texas Tech. They almost covered the spread like three times. Texas so Tech I, minus a million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I was happy about that, was that good. one. Then I had the oddball total with Nevada. That game went like 30 points over or something crazy. It was like almost like 170, so that was cool. Last play, my like on FSU, I was actually really confident in that game. I turned it off at halftime. I knew we were at a winner there. So, oh, yeah? Yeah, I decided to just go ahead and go to Twitter and check out score updates and final score at uh, AJ is the real. There you go. I, w- I will say this. Let me, sh- let me shout out pregame Twitter uh, who were very supportive uh, and, and happy for me to get off the Schneid. I mean, of course, pregame Twitter has been pretty rough. Uh, during a couple weeks ago, I guess a week and a half ago, when I was just in the dumps, and uh, but they they all came to my uh, they came they came to my aid when I needed it, and they kept telling me keep grinding, it's gonna work, it's gonna work, and it finally worked, and everybody was really excited for me, so it, it felt good to be be back in the good graces of pregame Twitter. That's good. I'm Brad Powers. Uh, I'm sweating out a game. Uh, I have Colorado as we're taping this on Thursday night. Buffs were favored by five and a half. Well, it was a fair line there. They're up ten and a half times, so we'll see how uh, Colorado does. Uh, we'll see how my best bet goes. 
for that. But uh, that, that's a recap. That's what about good. the rest of your week? You didn't have anything else? Oh, I'll tell you what, guys. Uh, I need to win this Colorado game because I Brad Powers did not have a great week. Mm. He had a like with Florida State with you guys. But other than that, it has not been a good week for me at all. Well, we're going to turn it around. Showtime! Woo! All right, let's get to it here. We're going to start off on Friday night, and Sleepy Jay's going to start it off. He won with this total. You just heard him last podcast. He's got another total for you guys, some smaller conference action. Friday night, VCU playing a team that should be able to to make it to the NCAA tournament. What do you like in that game? Oddball total here for the week. I'm, it's Friday night, St. Joe's at VCU. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play under 138. Kind of a long handicap here, so bear with me, guys. St. Joe's, they win games with defense. If you look at their last five games, St. Joe's has lost by trying to run with teams. It's just not working for them. They're 2-3 and three the last five games, and two wins for St. Joe's were lower-scoring games. They allowed 52 and 62 points in those two wins. Now, VCU, they have a solid defense, one of the best in the nation. VCU at home, I believe they're going to do everything they can to shut down St. Joe's. Plus, VCU, they really can't afford a bad loss. I don't think they'll get knocked out of the tournament, but I believe a loss here against St. Joe's and maybe another early loss in their conference tournament, you know, could have them on the bubble depending on how things shake out. So I think VCU comes in focused here. VCU last five games rock solid. I mean, they only allow 61 points per game. But if you look at the last five games, what they've given up to their opponents, 42, 57, 65, 66, and a whopping 36 points only. I think they feed off that. I think they come into this game saying, could we even get a lower result out of St. Joe's? Could we hold them to 35 points or 34 I think that's a little much to ask, but I think that they come in and they feed off of that result. St. Joe's, they love to shoot the three ball, but VCU, one of the best in the nation, number two, three-point defense. I think that will limit St. Joe's. I think that's going to also decrease some of the pace here as well, being that St. Joe's might not be able to shoot that three ball, get rebounds off misses, hurry up and transition, and also both of these teams rock solid off turnovers. So I think that'll limit the pace as well. I add everything up here, and I really like the total here. St. Joe's VCU under 138. All right, that's Sleepy J. Any comments on that one, AJ? No, sounds strong to me, man. I I've, I like VCU a lot. I, I that team is uh, you know, I'm I'm hoping that I end up with my with our Washington bet. I hope it's Washington VCU in the first round. <laughs> yeah, I bet you do. Uh, but <laughs> but VCU is a team I'm looking to win a tournament game and and probably I I, I think VCU. If they don't lose a bad game down the stretch, I think VCU is probably an eight nine seed. And I think they're the kind of team and I think there's I won't say that they could beat, you know, a, a one seed, but I think there are some some potential one seeds that VCU could give problems. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, they haven't lost a game in what, six weeks now, uh, VCU. And yeah, I agree with that. The eight or the nine seed for them. All right, Sleepy. Under 138 Friday night, VCU taking on St. Joe's. And that is a line that's available. That's an overnight line. That's not a line projection on that one. All right, moving along to Saturday, first game on the docket, number, and we're going in rotation order on these games. Number 23, Villanova, will project the line a two-and-a-half-point road favorite at a Seton Hall team off a big win. Looks like a pair of leans here for A.J. and myself. I'll let A.J. lead the way. Who do you lean in this one? Yeah, these are two teams, I mean, and really I shouldn't even say two teams. The entire Big East is really hard to, to follow right now. It's it's really hard to – there's no consistency. There's no rhythm or, or rhyme or reason to who's winning, who's covering. And, no, I mean, Nova and Marquette are the two teams that are clearly in the tournament. I think Seton Hall borders on definitely in. Uh, but 
It, Nova's lost four straight games away from home, including double-digit losses at Xavier and Georgetown. And and Seton Hall, I mean, they, they'd lost three straight, straight up and against the Stred before winning outright against Marquette in a spot that seemed actually like a really good spot for Marquette, and they beat him outright. Hall is 3-10 and 10 against the spread at home, but the Marquette game made them 1-0 and 0 as a home dog. They've been favored in every home game up until that Marquette game, and then as an underdog, they went, they went out there and they won. Uh, Seton Hall shot 34% in the first game, 7 of 23 from outside. Nova, on the other hand, 17 three-pointers in that first game. And turnovers were brutal in the first game for Seton Hall as well. They gave it away 18 times. Seton Hall's a bubble team, likely in, but a loss against Nova's not going to knock them off the bubble anyway. So I, I don't know how much motivation there is for either team. I lean Villanova, but I don't feel good about how they've played away from home lately, so it's it's not much for me. Yeah, you get agreement from me. I lean Villanova. You're right, four straight road uh, losses for the Wildcats. First time I think that's happened in eight years for them. Uh, but I lean Villanova, number one, four, they got four extra days of rest compared to Seton Hall. Number two, Seton Hall, that final against Marquette, I'd say a little misleading. Seton Hall closed the game, closed the game on an 18-0 run to beat Marquette by nine. Seton Hall trailed by nine late in the game, five minutes or so left, and ended up winning the game by nine. So I think that's a little bit misleading there. Uh, I think Nova's motivated because they've lost four straight games, and they're a little cheap here because of those road losses. It looks like they've gotten their act together in the last couple of games. So I'll take the Wildcats. Lean Villanova minus two and a half for me. Lean Villanova minus two and a half for AJ. Any thoughts, Sleepy? No, I, I honestly just can't trust that conference right now. Marquette, they look like crap. Xavier, like we we're talking about Nova. So I'm just staying away from them for a little bit till I feel a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, Xavier uh, against Butler was a, a little bit of a disappointing but loss. Most <laughs> consistent team right now in the in the Big East is Creighton, and, mm-hmm. and they're fighting for a spot all of a sudden. But they, they've yeah, been that's the going to be an interesting team tournament. Lately. I'm anxious to talk about that and again, guys. Uh, I'll tease this multiple times during this podcast. Next podcast is going to get released Tuesday morning. We will cover the Big East, which is one of the more wide-open conference tournaments I think we'll see next week. No doubt. Moving along here, since we just had a couple of leans on that one, uh, we've got number 5, Tennessee, off a pair of big wins. They are at Auburn. Believe it or not, we're going to project this line at Pick'em. we got an unranked team at home against the number 5 team. Pick'em is my projecting line there. And again, just a couple of leans from the guys. I'll lead this one off. I, I'll lean Auburn here in a pick'em spot. I think, generally speaking, Auburn's underrated in the marketplace. Like I just mentioned, unranked in the AP poll, but they're going to be a pick'em spot against a top five team. Uh, they've been missing their center, Austin Wiley. He's missed nine games. Uh, the word is he could play in this one. That could help him out down low. Uh, it, it hopefully does because one of Auburn's biggest weaknesses is defensive rebounding. So that would be a weakness that would concern me a little bit. But Auburn's been playing better as of late. They've won three straight games. Uh, you know, Tennessee's tied with LSU in the SEC standings, but the reality is, uh, as far as getting the number one seed in the SEC tournament, they're up against it. Why LSU owns a tiebreaker. And LSU on Saturday's hosting a very hapless Vanderbilt team that hasn't won <laughs> a single conference game. So likely Tennessee gets the two seed. Uh, and, and could fall down, depending on what happens with Kentucky and some of the tiebreakers, could fall to the three line if they lose here and Kentucky wins. Uh, and just lean Auburn. I think it's a home run spot for you know a team on senior day with a top five team coming in. 
Bruce Pearl's one of those motivating rah-rah type of coaches. Should have Max motivated here. Lean on the Tigers. What say you, A.J. Hoffman? I, I agree, uh, but not strongly. Uh, I, I was starting to think that there was going to be two two halves of the season. The Tennessee that we saw before the Kentucky game and then Tennessee after Kentucky. But the Vols looked like they righted the ship. Uh, after that blowout loss to Kentucky, they had non-covers against Vandy. A lucky win over Ole Miss. Uh, mixed in with that home loss at LSU, and it it appeared that the Vols were in trouble. And then they came out and they responded. They they beat the snot out of Kentucky, and, and then they followed that up with a big win over Mississippi State, where I, I was actually on the Bulldogs, and they, they just were never really in it. They got blown out of that game. Uh, they're going back on the road where they've struggled uh, in their last three games. But I still look at Auburn as kind of a question mark. They're they're eight and six straight up, seven and seven against the spread in their last fourteen. They're coming off a decent road win against Bama. It, Auburn is they're a three point shooting team. They, they chuck it up and they hope and they're, they're effective, they're efficient, and they they shoot volume from three. That's not the strength of Tennessee's defense. I, I imagine Pearl is going to have his boys ready against his former uh, his former team. Mm, good like point. you said, a, a rah rah guy, and and Bruce Pearl was at Tennessee for a long time, and um, you know not, doesn't have the best reputation around that place. But maybe it'd be, it would be nice for him to get one up on those guys. Should be an exciting game. I don't have a great feel either way for what's going to happen. I am I'm guessing that there's going to be massive public money on Tennessee if this does open at a pick, and you may be able to get Auburn with, with a, a point or two here. Uh, but but I, I would lean towards the Tigers. Fair enough. Uh, Tennessee, if they say they win this game, say they win the SEC tournament, Tennessee play themselves, in your opinion, AJ, back to a one seed? Uh, I don't think so. I, I, I think they're, they're if they win this game, they're, they're in that conversation. If they win the SEC tournament, yes. Okay. Uh, so if they win this game and the SEC tournament, yes, because that would knock Kentucky off the the one line. So, uh, yeah, I, I think if Tennessee wins out, they're back on the one line. Uh, if they lose another game between now and then, we've talked before about their their resume and what their resume was up before they played Kentucky the first time was they were beating up on a bunch of bad teams and uh, you know they they. they Lost the Kentucky game, won a Kentucky game, lost the LSU game. You know, maybe this game could could kind of get them back even there. But I, I still think that they've got some work to do if they want to get back on that one line. But I mean, honestly, there's not that much difference between a one seed and a two seed. Uh, so I, I think that uh, I mean Tennessee's they're they're going to be there in the end anyway. But uh, I, I I do think that they've got some work to do. I think if they if they win the SEC though, they're, they're a one seed. Fair enough. That's AJ Hoffman. You can follow him on Twitter at AJ is the real sleepy. You're passing on this game. Yep. Let's uh, move along. To the next one, TCU at Texas. I'll lead this one off. Looks like I got the strongest one here. I like Texas. We'll call the line projection Texas a home favorite of six and a half points. I like the Longhorns minus six and a half. They got revenge from an earlier loss to TCU back on January the 23rd by four. Texas off that miserable performance against Texas Tech. Congrats, Sleepy. You won a best bet on Texas Tech. But, I mean, prior to that, the Longhorns have been playing some of their best basketball this season. 8-1 and one, uh, against the number of their last nine games. I, I think Texas could ill afford a loss here on their home floor. They don't have that sexy record as far as uh, straight up goes. And, and to me, this is a very important game for them to stay above the cut line. I mean, as far as power ratings goes, the net that the NCAA is using this year, 
Uh, I mean, obviously, Texas is being power rated like a top 30 team. Uh, but the overall win loss record wouldn't be good. wouldn't be good with a loss here against a reeling TCU team. Uh, TCU in their last eleven games, they've only covered two of them. Uh, I'm going to like Texas here minus the six and a half. What say you, AJ? Yeah, I, I agree, but only only to a lean. I, I'm uh, I, I think this is going to boil down to if if Texas can shoot or not. But TCU two and nine straight up, three and eight against the spread. Their last eleven, that team has just fallen apart. Their only two wins. Or, or their only uh, three wins, I guess, was the, the two wins against Iowa State, who's tail spinning out of control right now, and then a two-point home win against Oklahoma State, who's the worst team in the Big Twelve. They're two and seven straight up, three and six against the spread away from Fort Worth. Texas has covered eight of its last ten. They're four and one straight up and against the spread over that stretch. They they shot thirty percent against Texas Tech, but that's Texas Tech's defense. That's what they will do to you. They will make your offense look bad. And and prior to that, the offense, even without Kerwin Roach, had been looking much better. Uh, it, it, said, it was announced that Kerwin Roach is going to play in the Big 12 tournament. He won't play on senior night for the Horns. Um, it, it's going to basically come down to if Texas is hitting shots or not. TCU allows the 22nd fewest points off two-point shots in the country. That's not where Texas is looking to make their shots. Texas, they, they, they get... They're 288th offensively with two-pointers. They, they want to shoot the three, even though they're not that efficient at it more often than not. They're going to have to drop shots if they want to cover this number. But given TCU's road woes, uh, the lean has to be with Texas here. Yeah, fair enough. I'm just looking overall Texas. I mean, 16 and 14, 16 and 15. Mm. Oof, I, well, I, just... I, I think I think Texas is is – I don't want to say safely into the tournament. This would be a really bad loss for them. But this game might be more important to TCU as far as a making the tournament standpoint. TCU, is that, why I think it's a, is, is that another reason why it's only a lean for you? That's the, that's why it's a lean because TCU, if they don't win, if they don't win this game, they they I mean they probably have to win two or three games in the Big Twelve tournament to have a shot. You look at bracket matrix and and they're right now as in there as a twelve seed. So I mean that that's uh, obviously you're firmly on the bubble if you're a twelve. No yeah. doubt that's that means you're fighting for your life. And if a TCU loss here to a, I mean it, I mean it's a loss to a tournament team, but it's 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 not a great tournament team in Texas. It's another team that's that's kind of being, uh, they're they're probably a little further away from the bubble, but they're still not a firmly in team. So it would be a it would be a, a tough loss for TCU to stomach here. So I imagine you get you get max effort from the frogs. Yeah, you will. But I, I mean, I'm telling you, if they lose this game, they're off. Though. I mean, you got to be kidding me. They'd be six and twelve in conference. They'd be one and seven, and we're talking straight up here. Their last eight games, they don't. They're not going to get the benefit of the doubt like an Oklahoma did last year because of Trey Young. They don't have a guy like that. So. I, I mean, they lose this one to me. They got, like AJ said, some major, major work to do in the Big 12 tournament. At minimum, two wins, if not three. Go ahead, Sleepy. Do you guys think we treat this as like a, a play-in game? Think, no, I because mean, I think Texas all... has a way in with without this win, but I, I don't think TCU does. Believe it or not, I mean, everyone's got Texas. I mean, nine, nine seed-ish, even at 16 I, I, and 14. Listen, they got so many good that, quality wins, but... My yeah, goodness, Texas though. beat Purdue. They beat North Carolina. Those are those are wins that not a lot of people have on their resume. So uh, Texas Texas is in. They've they've done. They beat Kansas. They've got they've got some really high quality wins. They've just got some head scratching losses. So I think they are safely in. But uh, TCU not so much. 
Fair enough. That's AJ Hoffman. We're moving along faster. Did you have any closing thoughts on that one? No, I'm good. Like Th- Tex- those were my closing thoughts. All right. Like Texas minus six and a half for Brad Powers. Lean Texas minus a six and a half for AJ it's, Hoffman. It is also a revenge spot for for uh, for TCU. I mean, uh, for Texas. Oh yeah, te- yeah. Texas, they lost by four. TCU. Yeah, it was a close game. Yep. Moving along, big one in the SEC, Florida at number six, Kentucky. Line will project a Kentucky a 10-point home favorite here. Looks like AJ's got the strongest opinion here. Who do you like in this matchup? Yeah, I, I like the Wildcats. It's it's probably a little bit square, but I'll 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 deal with it. The Gators, um, they aren't as ugly as they were early in the season. I, I was so down on this Gators team, and I didn't. I honestly didn't understand why they were getting all the love in in Kimpom and in in uh, tournament projections. It was like everybody still loved Florida, despite the fact I I the eye test said that Florida sucks. Uh, but Jalen Hudson's been back. He, or he, he looks so much better. I mean, he's worked his way up to not horrible, uh, which is where he was early on in this season after a good season last year. And he almost beat LSU by himself last week. Reed Travis, still a question mark for Kentucky. But the matchup actually favors Kentucky a little more with him out. Florida is a small ball three-point team. They prefer to have four guards on the floor. A good comp for them is Auburn, in my opinion, and, and Auburn just got blown out by 27 at, at Rupp. So I expect Florida to shoot better from outside than they did in the first game. They shot 26% from three in that first game, but Kentucky Kentucky only shot 28% themselves that game. So they, they, it's not like they shot the lights out. Kentucky was, not surprisingly, plus 12 on the boards. Uh, and while Reed Travis is the only senior who gets real playing time, and if he does play, it may just be like a couple ceremonial minutes uh, for Reed Travis. Yep. But on senior night for the Wildcats, this is th- let's face it, this is the last home game for P.J. Washington. This is the last home game for Keldon Johnson and Ashton Hagens. I, I, I expect that the, you get a, a big effort from the Cats, who, like we talked about when, when we were mentioning Tennessee, Kentucky's still fighting for a one seed. They're on that one line now. They want to stay on that one line. You're going to see them go all out, I think. And and Kentucky at home is just a that's a monster. Yeah, you get agreement from me. I'm not strong. I just don't like laying double digits. So I lean on Kentucky. Mentioned that the offensive rebounding advantage that Kentucky has their number eleven in the country in rebound offensive rebounding percentage. That's Florida's weakness uh, on defense. They're number three oh seven in the country in defensive rebounding. Uh, Gators are on the bubble. To me, are they feeling sorry for themselves? I mean, they blew that lead late against LSU. A nip-tuck game could have went either way. That would have probably put Florida in the tournament or at least above the cut line for the time being had they held on and won that game. Uh, but now it's Florida off back-to-back losses. And, and really, long-term, Florida hasn't been playing that well. 3-10 and 10 against the number of their last 13. You know, the, what I read from Reed Travis, he could be back, and you're right. If he is back, it'll be limited minutes, but that, that can be an emotional lift for the team getting him back. I think we're buying Kentucky a little low, uh, three straight non-covers for the Wildcats. So just a lean for me, Kentucky minus 10. You know, what, what Florida likes to run, you know, a little bit slower tempo. They're a defensive-oriented team. So I, when you got a, a defensive-oriented team that runs slower tempo, I don't like laying a lot of points uh, against those teams. Think- Go ahead. I think the the physicality of Kentucky. This is another one of those matchups where Kentucky's going to be a problem physically 
for this Florida team that's just so small and, do, and doesn't have the the big bodies down low to to contain what Kentucky's got. So I I, I think they've got some some problems here. And and I'm, I mean obviously it, you know Kentucky's going to have to play. They're going to have to be they're going to have to cover smaller guys, which means they're going to have to cover their perimeter better. But that hasn't proven to be a problem for Kentucky. They've got they've got good athletes. They can get out there and cover things. Uh, I, I, ju- I just think their physicality is going to be the difference. The rebounding is going to be the difference, which is what it's been for them most of the year. But I, I think this is a team that they should dominate on the boards. Yeah, and if you remember back to the first meeting, uh, Kentucky rallied r- really late in that one, kind of wore Florida out in the second half. Kentucky was down a majority of the game. I think they were even down as many as 11 points in the second half and, and rallied to get an 11-point win really controlled matters in the final 10 minutes of that game. So you're right in that regard, Kentucky being able to wear down Florida. So recapping it, like for A.J. Hoffman on Kentucky minus 10, lean for Brad Powers, Kentucky minus 10, Sleepy J passing on that one. Any closing thoughts, A.J.? Yeah, looking back at that first game, the last 7 minutes and 12 seconds, the Gators scored 6 points. So yeah. I, I, that's it. You, you talk about just dying on, on the vine at the very end of that game. They <laughs> yeah. just they just shut them down. Fair enough. And and that was one of the key games that really Kentucky started turning their season around. Because yeah. I, I mean let, let let's be honest, Kentucky wasn't well thought of. Uh, you know, for six seven weeks ago. So that second half comeback, I think they had a comeback against an Auburn team on the road. That was a big win for them. Uh, well, those two, couple of road wins really changed it around for them. That and the uh, the win over Kansas in in the SEC Big Twelve Challenge yep. and all those they all kind of lined up and uh, I, I remember and listen I was I was with you I mean I I don't know if you if you were and we weren't doing the podcast back then but I thought Kentucky was going to beat Duke opening day they got their doors blown off I I, uh, I gave out Kentucky that game yeah so and then and then they lost it they lost to Seton Hall they lost at Alabama and I was like man maybe this team just isn't that good and and when they lost at Alabama a couple games before that they beat North Carolina so I was like oh maybe and then they lose at Alabama I was like oh no but then like you said the, there's a few games in there that at Auburn um they blew out Mississippi State when Mississippi State was running pretty well and then they got that Kansas win which wasn't a close game by the way and and then that Florida win to come back from that uh and and they didn't lose again until LSU so they they that they were on a uh, they were on a good run then, and that's kind of what got them up to that national prominence. And uh, you know, obviously, like you said, a few non covers since then, uh, including the other night uh, at Ole Miss. And I was on Kentucky to cover; they didn't make it, but um, but yeah, I, I think you get an inspired effort here at home. And and you know, Florida's like you said, they're playing better, but I, I just don't think from a matchup standpoint that they have it. And uh, they're also coming off an overtime game against LSU, a, a really physical, grinding game against LSU. And right before that, they lost. You talk about head-scratching losses in the SEC. They lost to Georgia, and that's one of those losses. It's It ain't losing to Vanderbilt, but it's like the next worst thing you can do in the SEC. So Florida, it, it, they're, they're uh, reeling a little bit right now, too. No question about it. And again, a like for AJ, Kentucky, minus 10 against Florida. Moving along, Baylor at number 13, Kansas. Kansas out of the Big 12 regular season title race. That Big 12. Womp, womp. That streak came to an end at 14, the longest in the history of college basketball, besting 
those uh, John Wood and UCLA teams that won 13 straight Pac-12 titles. So that's at the end. Boy, at that time, it was the Pac-8 uh, for the Bruins at that time in the, in the 70s and late 60s. How do you think those John Wood and UCLA teams would do in today's Pac-12? Oh, they would. Oh, are you kidding me? They'd murder. I mean, Which, I'll take the same build and everything <laughs> that they had. I'd actually I mean, take Walton. I mean, Walton and you know, it was Lou Alcindor at that time. Yeah, I would take them. I think you know the late '60s team had that left-hander and hit them three pointers or, or long shots from the corner. Lynn Shackelford. Yeah, that, I, I would take that. Those UCLA teams over any team right now in the Pac-12. And, I actually no, think. Go ahead. If you put Bill Walton at age, what, 65, 66, if you threw him on the court today, if you threw that team on the court, a bunch of 60-something-year-old men, they'd have a good shot. Uh, they'd have a good shot. They'd beat Cal for sure. So, uh, yeah. That's, <laughs> I don't know. It's, Washington it's, it's, couldn't beat Cal. Are you kidding me? That's right. your boys, Washington. That's who mm. you're, you've got winning a game, Washington. Yeah, I know. Uh, speaking, of, speaking of Pac-12, 61-45, your best bet looking good right now. Under mm, 10 minutes you, to go in that game. You can't be saying that. That's just... We'll Sleepy say. said we've got to have updates. Updates. We were, we were, All right. Yeah, we had special requests for Hint, updates. hint, depending on how that game goes, that might be a tease to what my best bet's going to be at the end of the podcast. I'm not going to announce it until the very end. I, I wouldn't either. Okay. Yeah, cool. So just to keep that in, in the back of your... Uh, your head there. Sleepy. Baylor, Kansas. Kansas, an eight-point home favorite. You got the strongest opinion on this one. You got a like on who? I like Kansas. Um, I think it has to be a positive here for Kansas, the fact that their Big 12 streak has come to an end. I think they could put that behind them. I think they knew that they had, you know, kind of a long shot to actually go ahead and get that win, uh, you know, to keep the streak continued. They tried like hell, but no luck there. The story now for Kansas is that they can focus now on the bigger picture. Tough place to go in a fog out and try to win games and uh, come away with a win for a visiting team like Baylor. Last contest these teams played, Baylor dominant on the glass, plus 19 in rebounds. I guarantee there is no way in hell that they're going to duplicate that again. That game was actually kind of close, but that stat area was why Baylor ended up you know, that close in that game. That's not going to happen again. I think Kansas comes in focused. I think they come in a little relieved here. I think they roll past Baylor here in a convincing victory. I don't care about what the line is. I know it's high at eight. I think they will blow out Baylor here. AJ, you agree? Yeah, I tend to agree. Baylor one and eight in their last nine against the spread. That team is just—I mean—they're not quite Iowa State level melting, but they're close. One and three in their last four on the road, and they've lost by an average of fourteen and a half points in those three losses. And then on the other hand, Kansas has won four in a row straight up and against the spread at home. The average margin in those games, 17 points per game. The reason it's a lean, Kansas motivation probably gone after the OU loss. And boy, I mean, you knew pretty early on in that game that that regular season title run was was gone. Uh, Baylor firmly in the field, somewhere in the 7-10 to 10 range. And I don't know that a win or a loss changes that for them. They're, they're between a 7 and a 10 no matter what happens. down. I mean, unless they win the Big 12 tournament which is i would bet lots of money against uh baylor averages nine and a half points per game less on the road this season than they do in waco they want to hit threes kansas defends the three they're the 30th best team in the country at defending the arc it it might be a little square but i i just can't back a bears team that that just lost to oklahoma state the worst team in the big 12 i'll i'll lean kansas minus eight here yeah and kansas has been much better at home than on the road but you know, Sleepy, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit here. I I question Kansas motivation. That Big 12 streak 
man, everything to that program. I, I mean, to win 14 straight regular season titles, and now you got really what's to play for in your final game. You're not going to change your seeding that much. I mean, Kansas is right around a four seed, I think, uh, four or five seed. Uh, you know, I just question it. But the reason it's only a lean for Baylor on me, it's tough trusting a Baylor team that have had many highs and lows this season. Uh, and right now they're coming off a low. I mean, when you lose at home to Oklahoma State, that's bad. So uh, to me, I don't think a lot of people are, are going to be betting on Baylor this upcoming Saturday. I think Kansas will be a very public play. Uh, I just think that there'll be a slight value on, on Baylor because I, I just fundamentally disagree with you, uh, Sleepy. I, I think Kansas has questionable motivation with no Big 12. That, that's why title. I've got a lean instead of a like uh, is just because I don't know what Kansas is going to come out looking like after this. You know, the only reason why I would say I disagree with that it meant everything to Kansas is if this team was loaded with juniors and seniors. I mean, they got like two juniors and one senior on this team. It's all freshmen and sophomores. Now, if it was more but seniors, shit, more that's, juniors, that's I think everybody it would be at Kansas for the last five, ten years is, is freshman and sophomore. Well, I don't know if it's the case of this year as much as it's been in the past, though. Yeah, I mean, some, a lot of their play, key guys, you know, Vic and Azabuki have been out. So, I, I mean, I could see your point there. And, and the fact that Kansas got their doors blown off them in their last game, yeah, kind of probably. Yeah. Had they lost a close game, I guess I would question it more, say, uh, they lost to Oklahoma by a last-second bucket, and that's what took the Big 12 title streak away from I would question their motivation more had that been the case than them getting crushed. They got blown out, yeah. So I don't have strong disagreement, and look, I don't have the guts to push the green button on you, so I can't give you too much grief for, for that pick. And, and AJ agrees with you at least slightly. He leans Kansas. I lean Baylor. Sleepy J with the strongest pick there, like Kansas minus eight over Baylor. Any closing thoughts, AJ? No, I got nothing else on this one. All right, let's move to one of the two biggest games of the weekend uh, in the Big Ten. Number seven, Michigan at number nine, Michigan State. Projected line here, Michigan State a five-point home favorite. A double like on this one. Is that correct me if I'm wrong? Is that the first one we have of the podcast? Yes, it is. A double like well, there here. There hadn't been a lot of likes from my end for sure. I, I'm wishy-washy on a bunch of these games. Yeah, and I mean, if you want, to, if there's some other games, uh, obviously you're going to like a lot more games when it comes to premium action. Again, you can follow AJ at AJ is the real on Twitter or follow his picks on pregame. Same with Sleepy. And it's you two guys that have the double like here. I'll let AJ start it off. Who do you like in this matchup? Yeah, I like Michigan. I like Michigan plus five. Uh, the Matthews injury, definitely a concern. But I expect John Beeline and friends to to be better prepared for what Michigan State can throw at them. That ball screen, I, I mean, they were they were just a lost in that first game. And Michigan's coming off a big road win at Maryland. And if that if there's a tough environment to play at in the in the Big Ten, it's been Maryland. And Michigan passed that test with flying covers. Michigan State got right. They lost three straight a while back, and and we were like, oh, what's going on, with Michigan State? They've gone six and one straight up since. Michigan's been a dog one time. This season, a 27-point win at Villanova where the Wolverines were plus six and a half. Uh, between Nick Ward and Matthews and Kyle Ahrens, there's a lot of injury questions, and, and there's too many too many variables to, to be you know 100% on this thing. But I just feel like there's too many points, and I, I see this game coming down to a final possession, so I, I'm going to like Michigan. Sleepy. Agree- you get agreement. I agree with AJ here. I also like Michigan. I think it is too many points. I just wonder if maybe if the line is projected to be a tick high. But 
you know, it does make sense. Michigan State took care of Michigan last time they played. So uh, the, the line, I think it's rather close, but I still think it's just too much. Michigan here, obviously they have revenge. They've been playing better basketball. Yes, A.J. mentioned Charlie Matthews banged up. Probably not going to play again, but they think he'll be back for the tournament. Uh, but Michigan, I think they've been using their inside and outside game rather well recently. They've been mixing in all the players that, you know, that we've been mentioning here on the podcast over the last couple of weeks. They all got in the mix in the last game. Michigan State, obviously, they took advantage of Michigan in their first meeting when Michigan went ice cold. I know, Brad, you were like flipping mad about how, oh, I how was. right. I mean, Michigan just did not play well. And I think they'll rebound from that. They learned a lot. And Charlie Mur- uh, Charlie Matthews, did I say Charlie Murphy in the first time? Charlie Murphy. Yeah. My man. No, Charlie Matthews, he actually hurt his ankle. Yo, couch. <laughs> Charlie Matthews actually hurt his ankle in that Michigan State game. So perhaps, you know, there was a little bit of a letdown during that game. So uh, I think the Wolverines right now have some mojo going with that offense. I just think it's too many points to lay in a rivalry game with revenge. So go ahead, give me the Wolverines plus the points. Yeah, you guys get agreement from me. I'm borderline in between lean like here. Uh, I mean, it's tough fading Michigan State. I, I mean, they you're already paying a premium on Michigan State, and all they do year in and year out, I cover numbers, man. 21-9 and nine against the number this year. Are you kidding me? Uh, you're right, though. You mentioned it. I thought Michigan didn't play that well in that first mm-hmm. game. I, I mean, they only shot less than 40% from the floor. That was one of their five worst performances this season. On the defensive side of the ball, Michigan State shot 50% from the floor. That was the second most allowed by Michigan all year. And with all that being said, Michigan had the lead in the second half. I don't know, there's 12, 13 minutes left. And then they went that 10-minute stretch where Michigan didn't even get a single field goal. So uh, I I like Michigan. And you know what? Forget it. I'm upgrading it. Give me a like. We'll have a triple like here, Michigan plus five. Two-day extra rest advantage for Michigan. Mention it, not a dog very much of the Wolverines. Solid performance in that dog roll. The Maryland game was right around Pickham. You liked Michigan there. Another solid performance from Michigan. That was last week. In fact, that was our latest game. Um, Michigan's very good at protecting the, the ball on offense. They're number five in turnover percentage. Michigan State doesn't t- turn you over on defense. They're number three, 36, enforcing turnovers on defense. Uh, and yet Michigan in Michigan, that fir- right. in the first game, minus three in turnovers. Right. So, uh yeah, I, I you guys talked me into it. Uh, upgrade for me, a triple like I, I think Michigan. We, we can agree that the, the the first game Michigan Michigan State it wasn't necessarily. I I think the the biggest issue was that they were out schemed, they were out coached, and Michigan didn't know how to handle all those ball screens that were happening, yep. and they just looked kind of lost. I, I don't think that Michigan State necessarily has better players, especially with all the injuries that they've got going. Uh, and you know Michigan State's got they've, they've got the best player on the floor in in Winston, but Xavier Simpson is, I mean that's that's the best. If you said hey uh, Xavier Simpson, if you said one on ball defender in the Big Ten to stop Cassius Winston, you want Xavier Simpson to be that guy. Uh, so I I think that there's some there's some personnel things that, that point to Michigan in my opinion, but. They just got outcoached in that game, but I think John Beeline's good enough that he'll make an adjustment and and they'll make this game close if if not win it outright. Yeah, and I mean prior to that, Michigan won won and covered three straight against the Spartans. So yep. it's not like they've had you know issues with Michigan State in the past. So uh, again, uh, that's a, at least until this point in the podcast, that's the strongest pick right now. Saturday night action, uh, a triple like on Michigan plus the five. Any closing thoughts, guys? Uh, I, R.I.P. Charlie Murphy. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
I actually considered making Michigan my best bet, but it was yes, it was close. You got a best bet coming up here, Sleepy? Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. you do. Huh. Mm-hmm. AJ, you haven't done your best bet yet either, right? I haven't. Hmm. hmm. What game right. is that on? You, you want an, you want an update on your best bet, Brad? Uh no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Somebody Sleepy, tweeted at you me. Want an update I hate, on what, what is with you guys? Somebody tweeted at me uh, already. I am following along a little bit on Twitter. Uh, this guy tweets at me, love winning with Brad Powers with Colorado. Game's not over. There's like six minutes left. <laughs> Listening to Bill Walton while doing it is so hard. Game, I mean, I even tweeted at the guy. Don't jinx me, man. What is this? Right. So it sounds like Brad's scoreboard watching because how would he know that there's only six minutes left in the game? He knows exactly what five minutes, score is. Five minutes and 20 seconds left. If you <laughs> Fair enough. But, I, I mean, jeez, <laughs> you guys are killing me. I'm not, it's not over until it's over. Ask AJ with Florida State mm-hmm. this past week. That's Come right. on, right? All right. Uh, Sleepy on. told me not to panic on Twitter, and so so sometimes the Twitter people can help you. You know out. what? Th- though sometimes it works. I've done that before. Oh, you got to reverse, reverse jinx. jinx yeah, reverse to. jinx. Yeah. That worked. I did that. It worked for me. Yeah. I, I said I'm going to start betting against all my me. best bet feels. Yeah. All right. Right as soon as it starts. <laughs> yeah. No. Go right on Twitter. Ah! I used to do that. A lot. You have I didn't to. have to this past year. Why, Sleepy? Because I hit over sixty percent. That's, That's why. right. But you can't you can't reverse jinx when you're you're dominating. You know, with five minutes left in the game, it's hard to re- reverse jinx. It, that. You know, with dominating, it's would be easy up when th- you've got if Florida we're State up thirty-five points. Then I'd say, hey, I, I think we're in good shape here. But when you're only, uh, I mean, come on, uh, when you're UCLA covering by double digits. A UCLA team that was down 19 to Oregon a few games ago and won, and down nine with a minute left against Oregon uh, in the first matchup and won the game. So, please, please, all please, right, right. not with the, okay. not with UCLA, especially with Bill Walton on the call. Moving along, he won't be calling this game. You'll get the the number one crew on this one as far as ESPN goes. Number four, I think it's on ESPN. Number four, Duke at number five, North Carolina might be a CBS game. Uh, we're going to call the Tar Heels here in the, in this one a four-point home favorite, which is a huge line move from where it was in the first meeting where AJ and myself, a couple of best bet winners on the Tar Heels. What was that number? Plus nine? Nine and a half? I think even nine some, and a half. Yeah, some numbers even got up there. Uh, some closing numbers were as high as 10. So in this one, the rematch, of course, without Zion, North Carolina, a four-point home favorite. And yes, indeed, they just agreed on the last game. And maybe they continue to uh, compare notes prior to the podcast for this one. Not one, but two best bets on this game. Any music drop? No, no music. No, you're going dry and by the way, you won? Because right. we won with dry last I'm week. I'm not afraid but of yeah, Blossom. But- I'm comfortable with my own skin. You blossom it up, bro. All right, you blossom it up. I don't need that. I don't need that. uh, I don't need that pressure in my life. But just so you know, Sleepy and I don't share notes before the show. Okay. Uh, I mean, I I sent. In fact, I actually forgot to copy him in my podcast notes to you, so he had no idea what I was picking. I had no idea what he was picking. But we both like the Tar Heels here, uh, minus four. I I don't think that you're going to see much different from what we saw last game. And it's, it's not that, you know, I, I, I don't think that you've got a significantly better team with North Carolina, but without Zion, I I think that you've just got a much deeper, uh, much more complete team. And North Carolina comes into this matchup. They, this is their, their chance to sweep Duke 
for the first time since 2008 9. Uh, mm. This game could put this game could potentially decide who's going to get a one seed. Uh, I, I can't imagine that Duke loses this game and still finds a way to a one seed. I think that's going to be very difficult. Don't and underestimate fi- the committee's love for Duke. Mm-hmm. Oh my yeah. god! <clears throat> after a uh, fifteen and eight against the spread start, Duke two and five in their last seven ATS. North Carolina sixteen eight and three as a favorite. And eighteen and nine against the spread overall. They they beat Vegas regularly, uh, and they've gone thirteen and one straight up, nine and five against the spread in their last fourteen. They're playing their best ball of the season. Their average win over that fourteen game span more than fourteen points per game. Duke they almost lost to Wake Forest last. I mean they they were lucky to get out of there with a win. That that ball was in the hoop, and yeah, somehow. You know, Ghost of Grant Hill or something pulled it out of the basket and and made and let Duke win that game that they had no business winning. Cam Reddish, since the Zion injury, and he had a big game in uh, against that North Carolina uh, team, but he's been a roller coaster. He he shot 13 of 27 against Miami and Virginia Tech, but four of 20 against Syracuse and Wake. Uh, Barrett's been he's been solid he's put 28 or put up uh 20 26 points per game in in the last five games with, with Zion out including the UNC game uh but he's shooting just six of 28 from three-point range in that span 21 percent there's a lot of pressure on on Barrett to come out there and be the man and uh and, and there's just UNC has enough bodies to force someone else to beat them Reddish and Barrett both were outstanding in the first game, and Duke still lost by 16. Duke needs someone else, whether it's Jones or or some unknown random guy off the bench, to come in and really just take over this game. Duke wants revenge, but I don't think they have the depth to play with the heels in this one. My best bet, North Carolina minus four. You agree, Sleepy? Best bet, North Carolina for you as well. I do, I do. I, I got a question for you guys, though. and Let me ask this question to Brad first and then AJ. Brad, do you think that Coach K at this point of his career with all the banners and national champions, do you think he really cares about Zion? Of course he does. He, he, he wants the next me? Zion to come to Duke. He needs Zion. So he would care more about a player who's a who's a one and done, or in this case, a half and Absolutely done. Does. He would care more about the player than he would about his own legacy and national champion. Absolutely. Well, right now he would. All right. Well, he wants another title. Well, I completely disagree. Um, I don't know what AJ thinks, but obviously it sounded like he chimed in and he agrees with with Brad. But I got to be honest with you. I think that if Coach K loses this game, that that's going to put more pressure on Zion to come back. And I think it's going to create news come Monday morning. Zion's selfish. Oh. He's been having this this bum knee. It's not like he it's not like he tore his ACL. He had a minor knee sprain. How, how many games does he miss now? Selfish. Five. Five, yeah, five games. Well, yeah. four, four, four. I count I mean, the North he's Carolina four game. since the yeah, yeah since the North Carolina game. Okay, so he's been out for you know a decent amount of time. Certainly, he could, he can come back and play. I think we all would agree that that he should be be able to come back but, and play. Sleepy, don't you agree that it doesn't make any sense to rush that guy back because, I, I mean, until you get to the tournament, what I mean, what's the point? You, if if I'm co- if you're in Coach K's shoes. And you say, okay, I, I can wait until tournament time. And maybe you want to play him a couple games in the ACC tournament to knock some rust off. But, you, I mean, if Duke's a two seed, 
they can knock rust off against Robert Morris or whoever whoever they play in the uh, the opening round of the tournament. But I, I mean, obviously, what's important for for Duke for for Mike Shashevsky for Zion, they all have the same goal, which I'm guessing is to win an NCAA championship. And Mike uh, Mike Shashevsky knows that if Zion's there and healthy, 100 percent. Their team is as good as anybody, and I agree with that. They, if Zion's there, their team, they, they they probably should be favored. I would still fade them, but they probably should be favored against everybody. So I, I, I don't blame them for taking their time with that guy. I would be in no rush to get Zion back out on that court. So, Brad, let me ask you this. Last week we talked about Zion coming back. RJ made some points on Zion coming back. I'm not sure he's coming back now. My question to that is, why would you think that he doesn't come back? Because he has a bad knee, because his knee hurts. Why come back? Maybe he, maybe he's not all about the you know winning the national championship like we thought. Okay, so that I'll concede a little bit. And, I mean, when he's on Instagram, he's got a big announcement, and it's him playing video games all over with what twelve Adidas you know emblems all around him. Uh, to me, I mean, obviously that was a statement uh, to Nike after blowing out the shoes. I, you know, I I went from saying hey, it's ninety plus percent he's going to come back. And now I think it's maybe above 50%. I, I, if he's going to come back, why not the Wake Forest game? Right. So with what you're saying right now, it sounds as if but, it, it might not be about national titles. It might be about money. That could be with him. Okay. But go ahead, listen, AJ. What were you going to say? I, I, I was saying, I mean, why why not the Wake Forest game? Why would you bring Zion back for the Wake Forest game would be my question. Yeah, I mean, that's I'm a not game, saying play 40 you're playing minutes. The, you're, just play some limited minutes. Get him back but, in I mean, the you're game playing, shape. Maybe the worst team in the ACC, all due respect to Pitt, who's pretty bad, but you're playing maybe the worst team in the ACC at home. I mean, Coach K had to go into that game assuming that they wouldn't need Zion to, to win that game. Uh, and and if you're a coach and you've got a guy who's even remotely banged up, who's that important to you, why bring him out there and, and take a risk of, of him playing in the Wake Forest game when the real goal is to have him win six games in a row in March, so Madden. you don't think that's he's going to come. You don't think he's coming back to the NCAA tournament. I think he may come back late in the ACC tournament. I, I, but I don't think. Okay. That, I don't. I, don't I just think there's don't any see why pressure on them to bring him back. Play again twenty four hours later. Here's my question: Who makes the decision on whether he plays or not? Is it Coach K? Zion. Or is it Zion. Right. Zion. It's Zion. All right, if Zion is the one that makes the decision on whether he plays or not, wouldn't it be more likely that Coach K is going to say, I'm not going to prepare my team. I'm going to let Zion sit out. And if everybody on this team wants to win a championship and I want to win a championship, we're going to go and get our asses handed to us in North Carolina, and it's going to look like it's Zion's fault. And then they're going to say, he's selfish, he's healthy, he could get his ass back on the court. Come back on the court, and that's just that's the way I think about it. Because if it's Zion's decision, it just goes to show that he's being selfish. If it's about money, why is he on Instagram with Adidas gear on? He knows better than that. um, The the fact is, Coach K knows he knows that without Zion, he's not going to win a national championship. And he knows without Zion, he knows without Zion. Yes, he's not going to win a championship. But he also knows that if they go get their rear ends kicked in North Carolina, which they're going to, they're going to get blown out in this game, that it's going to come down on Zion. It's not going to come down on Shusevsky. And Coach K, in my opinion, he's still, you know, it was for legacy. He's for championships. And that's going to put pressure on Zion to take a look at himself and say, you know what? 
I'm going to come back. And maybe the whole Adidas thing was, and we talked about this in our pre-show today at Straight Out of Vegas, maybe the Adidas thing was saying, listen, I got to go back on the floor sooner or later. Let me try to make some leverage with Adidas against Nike. A gimmicky thing for him to do to try to take both sides because he might be forced. He's not going to be forced to do anything. I'll be honest. To. My my opinion mm. is Mike Krzyzewski, it, it, Mike Krzyzewski doesn't have to worry about his legacy. Mike Krzyzewski is the best coach in the history of college basketball. That's mm. he's got he's got five NCAA tournament titles. I mean he's he's made it to like a dozen Final he's Fours. He's not the best now, not even close. What if he, that doesn't? But at, but for legacy purposes, that's like saying LeBron LeBron's not the best mm. player now. But that doesn't take I mean, away from what LeBron's career is. So I mean, Wooden's got double championship. But it just uh, another but, championship. But like you said, he was playing him. in the Pac eight. You know, I mean, we're talking I, I about. I get in, it, in, but I mean, double. I, I mean, I get different eras, but Jordan. I mean, where do you fall in the Jordan Lebron conversation? Where, where do I fall? Yeah. I mean, I don't think the conversation's over, but I think the the reality is there's a there's a conversation to be had. Fair enough. And there, I don't uh, think I don't, I'm not giving it to Coach K. I mean, I don't think that's slam dunk that he's the best ever. I'll tell you, X and O's right now. I think he's subpar. I really do. I think he's subpar. Subpar? Yeah. Or subpar for what you think Shashevsky should be? Mm. Uh, I, I mean, sub- I would subpar say subpar compared to what he's been. All right. Let the me dude, say this. The dude's won 1,100 games. I get 1,100. It, 40 years. That happens when you coach 40 years. Uh, I mean, I think he's subpar compared to what he been, he's been. Uh, I think, I mean, you're starting to see it uh, without Zion. He's still got arguably three first-round draft picks. And what's uh, wh- how would you grade the performance, the quality that Duke's played without Zion the last five games? How would you Where would you stack rank Duke nationally? Five games. And they have three first-round draft picks on that team. They're major contributors. Well, well not counting Zion. They've not got, counting well, Zion. They, they got three guys. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say they're – and listen, I'm not saying that, that Coach K is doing some fantastic coaching job. Uh, and I, I think Duke's probably 5 to 10 where I would power rank them without Zion. But I, I still – I don't think you can say Coach K is suddenly like a, a bad X's and O's coach. I, I mean, this guy has done things that – how many gold medals does does John Wooden have? How many gold medals does Jim Beheim or Dean Smith have? This guy has done a lot oh, in this sport. Gold medals and with he's guys not, like LeBron. I mean, that's not fair. But what I'm saying is, I'm not. I don't think Mike Shashevsky has to worry about what his legacy is. I think more people than not think that Mike Shashevsky. I mean, he, he he's how many more wins does he have than the next closest guy? Two hundred. He's got two hundred more wins than Bobby Knight does. Uh, I don't. Where's Jim Bay? I don't know if Jim Bayheim how many he's lost or been yeah, taken I, away I, from I'm him. But track of that. Uh, but he's he's got a lot more than him. I, I mean, nobody has done what Mike Shashevsky's done, and it, I mean, yes, he's done it for forty years. But he did it at Army, and he did it at Duke. And it, for people who don't know Duke, before Mike Shashevsky got there, Duke might as well have been, you know, Tennessee Chattanooga. So uh, this is a this this is a guy who, to me, his legacy. What if he if he doesn't win a title this year? I don't think it affects his legacy one bit. Oh, this I, legacy is cemented. I, I, I agree with that. Do you think there's anybody who, if they lost their best player, that we like? Is there any coach who, if you say, "Oh, your best player just got hurt. He's he's done mm. for the season," 
if they don't win, you go, oh, what a poor coaching job. That's never happened in the history of sports. Like if Bill Belichick lost a, a Super Bowl without Tom Brady, it's not like people would go, hmm, that's a big hit for Belichick's legacy. No, no one but would say that because out. it's I'm, absurd. I'm just saying when, when, no, no other team has three first-round draft picks, and he's still going out there. I mean, what would the narrative be had an 80% shot went in with Wake Forest? Tell me that. that. That's my opinion. It would already have started. And I, I agree with AJ in this. His legacy's not whatever happens at the end of this year. His, AJ's perfectly right on that one. His legacy's cemented. All I'm saying is right now in 2019, Mike Krzyzewski, X's and O's, is not dialing him up anywhere near what he was 10, 15, 20 years ago. And on okay, top of I, that, his best assistant coaches, he's had some really good assistant coaches. They're not with him. Wojciechowski's at Marquette doing a great job. Capel, his best recruiter that he's had, the guy who recruited these players to be here, he's at Pittsburgh right now. So uh, all I'm saying is he's not even close how, many, how many games what, in the ACC? Two games? Does anybody, oh, in the first year? Did you watch Pittsburgh basketball last year? But here's what I'll improved. say. You. Does he have three NCAA or uh, three NBA first rounders on that team without Zion? Yes. Guess how old they are? 18, 19, and 19. I mean, for him, it, no one's expecting him. Okay, you've got a bunch of freshmen. You're automatically going to win. Did Calipari's legacy take a hit when that historically great Kentucky team didn't win? No. I think a Do little bit. Do we suddenly bit it think. Le- really? You don't think. I mean. Are you kidding uh, and, me? And by the I way, mean, if that uh, team would have closed the deal, we'd talk about that's the greatest team in the history of college basketball. Okay, so do you think do you think if if Shashevsky doesn't win a championship this year, that the next crop of superstar eighteen year olds is going to look at Duke and go, mm, yeah, they're they're losing it. I'm out on Duke. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, they kind of turned the corner as far as, I mean, obviously they're going to consider Duke and their top five program. But, I mean, I'm anxious to see this recruiting cycle without Capel here. And, again, we're going a little off topic here. But without him there, I mean, does Kentucky reclaim getting all these guys? I mean, because it's been Duke the last four or five years that's been able to get the cream of the crop when it comes to the one and dones. You know, I'm not so sure. Why not Kentucky becomes the number one choice then for these guys? It's possible. Can I finish up my best bet? Now you can. All right, cool. <laughs> no, I'm. Thought I actually thought that was a pretty positive discussion. But before I actually finish off my best bet here, Brad, congratulations, Colorado Buffaloes ninety three, UCLA final sixty eight. I'm a winner, not a loser. Yeah. Woo! Good job, Brad. Anyway, to finish off my best bet, that's why here, they pay him the money. I really like North Carolina. Obviously, minus the four here. I think they will blow out Duke. Do you guys think they get a number one seed if they win this game? Who, Duke or North Carolina? North Carolina. North Carolina is the number one seed today. Right, but I'm... Yeah, uh, I don't it, know, like, man. You hear guys like some are saying, Billis say, Yeah, some are yeah. saying two-line now. I'm, I, I think for sure they get a one seed. So I'll, if they if they beat Duke, it's a certainty. But if, if I were making my number one seeds right now, it'd be Virginia, uh, Gonzaga, Kentucky, North Carolina. So I would like to propose a dinner bet to... To you and Brad, see if you guys want to go ahead and take part of this since you guys both disagree with me. On Monday, straight out of Vegas or Monday on AJ's show, if there's talk within the news, major news, or it gets broadcast on our shows, something about, quote-unquote, Zion being selfish, should he come back? I'm just talking selfish narrative in general. If that comes up, you guys owe me a dinner. If it doesn't, I'll owe you guys a dinner. You want to take that bet? 
What do we mean major news? Like, I mean, if you go that, on straight that's out of Vegas, he's gonna, say it, what's I'm not going to say nothing. Oh. I won't say a word. I will not say yeah, he one gets word. A, he gets an open mic on straight out of Vegas. Hey, I think Zion's no. selfish. Hey, no, our show. I, I just want to know if that right. if that's the story. You got, you got a bet. If that's the story that forms throughout the weekend and then Monday, hey, maybe it, this and that and that and that's a talk that's going around. I think that's going to be the conversation, and I think that's what Shashevsky wants, and I think that's why Duke comes into this game, gets blown out. Finishing up North Carolina, my best bet, blowout city. Yeah, my my promise to you is I'll I won't call a dude who uh, should be making multi millions of dollars right now selfish for not wanting to play in a game for free that that does nothing for him for him. You know, I am not saying that he's selfish. I'm saying that that's going to be the story that's put out, and that's one of the things that they're going to use to force him to play again. You got a bet on that one? Okay, cool. Cha-ching. I'm getting even on my dinners, so I guarantee it. Since we went long on that, <laughs> I'll wrap it up. Sorry, best, guys. Yeah, no, that's all right. Best bet. Have a friendly discussion. I Look, I, I, you know, I'm going to put this on Twitter. I, I mean, because uh, there's a lot of analytics guys and guys I talk to. They, they don't really respect Krzyzewski that much as far as X and O's. Sure. I mean, look, a part of your coaching I'm not job saying, is I'm not to saying recruit. he's the best. Yeah, I'm not saying he's the best X and O guy in, in the country, and, and I, I think there was a time where he—that's where he made his bacon, and I think now he's gotten to the point, and he got he got the LeBron touch, where LeBron says, "Oh, this is where I wanted to play." Mike Shashevsky's the best coach I've ever played for. It, it, that now he's become more of a recruiting coach than an X's and O's coach, but I do—I mean, I, I don't think that suddenly he's a below average. You're talking like he's the 170th best uh, X's uh, no, and O's guy saying, in the but- country. No, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying, you know, major programs of your, all right, stack rank, uh, you know, your top 25. Stack top rank the ACC? Programs. Yeah, I think what he's about, averaging the, rank the yeah, ACC. Yeah, I think he's averaging the ACC. And if we're just talking X's Jim, and O's, do you think he's Jim Beheim? What's that? You think Jim Beheim's a better X's and O's coach no, than him? I, no, I, I don't think that at all. Roy Williams is? I think Roy Williams is better than him when it comes to X's and O's. Do you guys I think that know. it's hard I mean, to be a good X's and O's coach with teams that are constantly inexperienced? Jaseski was great when he had it is tough. those senior teams that were out there that learned year after year after year. He was good then, but I agree with Brad now. He lets the pure talent go out there and do the talk. Yeah, yeah. and keep in mind, I mean, if you just look at recruiting rankings, I mean, obviously Duke's clearly out recruited North Carolina in the last five six years but i mean these two teams are basically dead even and head to head so i mean they just have two different philosophies north carolina has gone more you know the the three four year route and and used that and won a couple of national championships uh you know recently and obviously duke's got a title what 2010 and 2015 so they just taking different routes but I, i would take roy williams x's and o's right now over coach k that's just my personal opinion all right, good. recapping, best bet, North Carolina minus four for both Sleepy and AJ. I like North Carolina minus four. I considered it as a best bet, but I got another one here. <laughs> my, yeah, go ahead. My favorite thing about this entire conversation is at the end of it, we all agree on the game. Yeah, and we're all fake. We've, just, we've argued for 20 minutes, yeah. but we all agree on the game at the end of the day. Fair enough. I, I just think, look, North Carolina crushed them in the first game, and they're terrible from three-point range. Mm-hmm. Uh, Duke's terrible from three-point shooting. Mm-hmm. They're one of the worst teams there. They can't hit free throws. You know, there's a you know a thing out there right now where you can actually bet the no. You got your futures out there where Duke's still clearly the favorite. But at Bookmaker, one of the sharpest books in the world, one of the biggest books in the world, 
You can bet no, Duke will not win the national championship minus 285. Uh, I like that at the current value because I think there's a I do great, I think there's a legit chance that Zion doesn't play. And they are not winning the national title if he doesn't play. And I think even if he does play, they're not clearly above everybody else in college basketball. They're just not. So, all right, recapping that. I Go will on. say this. my For me, my uh, NCAA futures, like I, I have a, a plus 900 on Gonzaga and a plus 1,200 on Virginia. Yeah, I, I'll probably end up, to, I think currently North Carolina is 12 to 1. I may take one of those too, but Mechanical and, and then I'm just I'm just fading Duke at that point because I I think there's still despite the, you know despite the fact that there's a lot of parity and and it's a soft bubble and there's no dominant teams I still think it, it, there's Duke Gonzaga Virginia Kentucky North Carolina Michigan State teams that I think can win the tournament these kids all came in there together to win a title together. And just because one guy's sitting out, you don't think that they're all, they all know how healthy this guy is. They all know, yeah, he's going to get millions. But, I mean, that's, it, it, that to me is just selfish. It just drives me crazy that, that you guys I can't, think you're, can't see that, that this is – You're out of least, touch, man. I'm, I, I think you're being naive. You're being naive as to why those guys went to Duke. They went to Duke because they were like, oh, this is going to get us the most exposure and give us the best chance to be drafted high. That's why they went to Duke. But when they those get, dudes are trying, they're about I their money. That. They're not about winning a national championship. I mean, would it be nice? Sure, but I I don't think that they, those guys are like you know what? Let's all go to Duke together and play for a national championship. And if we don't win one, come back and we'll win our sophomore year. No, they said let's go to Duke. Let's ball out. Let's get as much money as humanly possible in the draft. And let's go live our lives as NBA studs. That, that's what I think they said. I just wonder if, you know, if, if they get blown out here and they go in the ACC tournament, they don't win that, and they go into the, the big dance and get romped. You know, what happens to the stock of guys like Barrett and Reddish? Do, are they still number two, number three? Well, sometimes, you know, you're only as good as your, your last game. You know, and, Oh, they don't care about that. But, Jim, John Morant, might, he, he might not even make the, t- the tournament. Moving along, guys. Yeah. Let's move along. we got a couple games left, okay? Saturday night, San Diego State at number 17, Nevada. We'll call Nevada a 13-and-a-half-point home favorite in this one. You know what? I'll lean this one. I'll lead this game off. Uh, I lean San Diego State plus 13-and-a-half. This is kind of a derivative bet. I like San Diego State in the first half, though, and here's why. Nevada is one of those teams has very a lot of seniors, very experienced for the Wolfpack, eight seniors in all. And when it's senior night, it's your final game. It's emotional. Maybe there's going to be a little bit of an adjustment early for Nevada. Nevada early in the season, very slow starting team to begin with. Uh, I get it. They have revenge. But, man, for a San Diego State team to be getting double digits against a team they've absolutely owned, and they've even owned Nevada in this recent run. San Diego State's won three straight over the Wolfpack, even though Nevada the last couple of years has been clearly head and shoulders the best team in the Mountain West for the most part. Utah State's got a little bit of a claim this year. Uh, Nevada's been pricey, five straight non-covers for them. Uh, San Diego State just blew a game against uh, Fresno in the final minute. I don't know if you guys saw it. Aztecs are up six. One minute left. Uh, Fresno hits a three. San Diego State turns it over on three consecutive possessions and ends up losing the game. A uh, game they led by six with just a minute left. So I think that's a little bit misleading. 
All in all, I like San Diego State in the first half. A little worried late. Maybe Nevada turns it on, but uh, I'm definitely on the San Diego State side. What say you, AJ? Yeah, I, I lean San Diego State plus the points. They, Like you mentioned, they won three straight versus Nevada. They've won 11 of the last 13 against Nevada. Nevada, though, they're unbeaten at home, 8-5 and five against the spread. They're 0-5 oh against the spread in their last five, though, including the two outright losses. San Diego State 6-2 and two straight up against the spread in their last eight. But they've been vulnerable away from home this season, and this is what worries me. Losses at Cal, that's a bad loss. At Boise, that's a bad loss. At Air Force, at New Mexico, these are bad losses. Teams outside the top 100. And I have I have maintained all season long that Nevada's overrated. Their best win to date is Arizona State. Still, today, their best win is Arizona State. I don't think this team is as good as the, as the rankings say they are. I don't think this team is as good as their record says they are. I don't think this team is as good as Ken Palm says they are. It's just too many points for me to to lay with a team that San Diego State. They're not that far behind, in my opinion, of Nevada. I don't think they're that far away. And Nevada, you know, Brad, you and I talked about this on my show today. Mentally, this Nevada team is is wilting. You know, they they are surprisingly because they're a bunch of seniors, but for them to be like punching glass and trying to rush locker rooms after losing a game to Utah State. That's what a team of of 18-year-olds would do. These are guys who are they're this is a team loaded with seniors and that's how they're behaving after a loss. I I don't like where this Nevada team is heading. Uh I'm going to fade them here. I, I I I'll at least lean to San Diego State here, but I'm looking for Nevada in the tournament. I don't know if Nevada's got any legs in the tournament. I I don't like this Nevada team going forward. I don't like I haven't liked them all year. I don't like them going forward. I'll I'll lean San Diego State plus 13 and a half. There you go. Lean for both me and AJ on San Diego State. I like the Aztecs in the first half. Before we get to the Sunday game, we got some sound from uh, Mr. Dave Esler. Uh, He's on one of the games. And actually, he's going to get agreement from me. I think this is a sharp take here. He's on the UCF Temple game. Let's give it a listen. Sunday college basketball, UCF Temple projected line. UCF probably minus two. UCF will be coming off an emotional last home game against Cincinnati, and that may be magnified here since Temple plays a significantly quicker pace. With any fatigue, Temple's going to take advantage of that. Temple right now is a projected 12-seed Dayton play-in game. If they can beat UConn Friday and or a win over UCF here, they might bypass Dayton. Temple lost at UCF by five. They put UCF on the line 28 times, which won't happen again not at home where they're going to benefit from a call or three. Temple's only conference home loss to Cincinnati by four back in January. In AAC play, Temple's defense is number one, creating turnovers. Their offense is number three, protecting the ball, which is going to lead to more opportunities. Temple's a much better free throw shooting team, and they're not undersized against the Knights, which most teams are. I like Temple to get this done at home Sunday. All right, and again, I agree with Dave. I think it's a good spot. UCF off a pair of wins, even though UCF, uh, I mean, AJ mentioned the pre, pre-show meeting. I mean, they are a hot team, eight straight covers now for the Knights. But, I mean, after you've beaten Houston, after you just got done beating Cincinnati as we're taping this on Thursday night, UCF probably safely in the tournament. Temple, with a win over UCF in that game, probably stamps themselves into the tournament. So a huge game there. 
and, and Dave gets full agreement from me. In fact, hint, hint, wink, wink. Uh, if that line comes out Temple as a home underdog, that might make my premium card on, on Saturday. So for those of you listeners, keep that in the back of your mind. Moving along towards Sunday, one game here, and then we'll get to my best bet to close out the show. Uh, speaking of the AAC, another game here, another important game. Number 12, Houston at number 23, Cincinnati. Both these teams just wrapped up games as we're taping it on Thursday night. Both teams relatively met expectation. Houston won by 11 over SMU. They're laying 12, 12 and a half. And Cincinnati lost by three at UCF. The Bearcats were catching uh, two points in that one. So both teams relatively close to the line. We'll call this line projection what I said before we started taping this podcast. Cincinnati, a one-point home favorite. Uh, AJ, uh, where do you lean in this game? Yeah, I lean to Cincinnati here, but I I, I don't feel great about it. Um, they're coming off that three-point loss to UCF. It makes them a little more intriguing to me. They're safely in the tournament, but may, maybe a win here keeps them off the 8-9 game. Uh, it, it, they can get a share of the regular season title with a win here. I, I mean, I, I just think that UCF, uh, or uh, excuse me, it's, it's Cincinnati. I'm I'm starting to worry about them a little bit uh, down down the stretch. Uh, they've they've it seems like they're not getting the uh, the the distance from teams that they had been getting, and they they barely beat Memphis at home. They they barely beat UCF at home. They barely beat SMU and UConn on the road, and those are those are bad teams. So I, I'm I'm not seeing the Cincinnati team playing as well as I would like to see them playing. And now, obviously, coming off the UCF loss, uh, there's even more concern. But it does feel like this is a spot uh, play for for Cincinnati here. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna lean with Cincinnati minus one here, but I, I don't like it enough to uh, to touch this one. Yeah, you get full agreement. I lean Cincy here minus one two. And I think we're buying the Bearcats a little low now. Seven straight non covers for Cincy. So I think Joe Public's gonna see that and probably want to be on the Houston side, but believe it or not. So uh, I'll take Cincinnati, who's had success against Houston, particularly at home uh, against the Cougars here. Uh, again, I win. They tie for the conference crown. I'll have to see how the tiebreakers uh, shape out. I got to think Houston might still own the tiebreakers if they're going off of you know an overall ranking. Uh, you know, Cincy... There's some concerns here. I mean, you know, offensively, they struggle. Houston, as far as effective field goal percentage on defense, one of the best teams in the country. Uh, Houston hasn't really looked apart the last couple of games. Keep in mind, the market, as far as if we're following the market today, the money came in on Cincinnati, and the money clearly faded Houston today in, in the SMU game. So, And those people that were fading Houston ended up cashing when it was all said and done. So that'll be interesting to see where this line moves. Again, we're calling it Cincinnati minus one. Just a lean for both AJ and myself on the Bearcats. And, you know, again, I apologize uh, for a little bit of a light handicap on this one. Both teams were playing as we were taping this podcast. So keep that uh, in the back of your guys' mind as we were doing this. So a double lean on Cincinnati. If memory serves correct, I have not given out a best bet yet. All right, this is going to be Saturday action, and, and I was waiting for a reason because I am going to go right back to Colorado, the team I just easily what? won with. Yeah, I'm going to take Colorado, 
And we're going to have to call this line five, five and a half over USC. USC is currently playing right now against Utah. Here's what I like. Number one, I like the way Colorado's playing, obviously, at this point. They've won and covered seven of their last nine games. If you think Colorado's going to win this game over USC, keep in mind in Pac-12 play, if you just pick the winner of the game in Colorado games, you'd be 17-0 and against the spread. The straight-up winner in Colorado games, 17-0 and against the number. Again, USC's playing tonight. They were trailing Utah at the half, but... I mean, USC is going to be in the dreaded back-to-back road games, short rest, in altitude. And, you know, depending on what happens in the Utah game, which they were trailing, I mean, they haven't shown much on the road, the Trojans, this season, 2-8 and eight against the number. In the underdog role, they're 0-9 straight up, 0-9 against the spread. They'll be a dog here. And, again, this is prior to the Utah game. Uh, Colorado, to me, is a team that's been hot. USC, not much to play for, just playing out the the rest of the season. Colorado won the earlier meeting uh, on the road against USC that they fared quite well against SC. Uh, if you you know spread it out over the last twelve games, Colorado eight and four uh, against the Trojans. So I think a hot Colorado team playing in arguably that you know they have one of the top two or three home court advantages in all of college basketball. Don't believe me? Look it up on Kempom. I mean, much of it has to do with the elevation. But it's also statistically based. When you look at the differences, points per game differential, home and away, Colorado, and this is long-term, four- or five-year sample sizes, Colorado will call the line five, five-and-a-half, and and a lot of it's going to depend on the USC game. But I like it all the way up to six-and-a-half. Take the Buffaloes. I'm going to ride them again here. Colorado, my best bet Saturday. Yeah, I, you'll get agreement from me on that. Uh, USC now they're they're starting to uh, to fade here in this uh, in this game against Utah, and that that is the worst road trip in the Pac-12. If you've got Utah and Colorado back to back, I mean that's the only two teams to play at elevation in that conference. Yep, you got to deal with them on back to back games. That's that's a really tough spot for a USC team. That's mind you, they're talented. You know they got they got a couple NBA guys on that team. I, I think Kevin Porter's an NBA, probably a first rounder. Uh, I, I think Benny Boatwright is, yep. a, uh, is, is a is a is a he might not be a first rounder, but he's an NBA guy for sure and, and an elite shooter. Uh, but it, I I just think that the, these te- these guys have quit. They they're done with this season. They they they're not going anywhere. And honestly, you can say that about almost anybody in the Pac-12. And honestly, <laughs> if it. it I mean, the Pac-12, the tournament is interesting to me because I don't know if there's anybody in the Pac-12 who feel, including Washington, who, if they don't win the tournament, are a 100% lock to make it. I I think Washington's close to a lock to make it, but if Washington loses early in the Pac-12 tournament, and you can laugh at that, but they just lost to Cal, so you can't laugh too hard. But if Washington, I mean, Washington's resume is garbage. Nobody in the Pac-12 has a resume that says, you know what, this team should absolutely be in the NCAA tournament. So I think the Pac-12 tournament's going to be interesting, but the rest of the regular season, I, I don't think anybody has anything particular to play for. Uh, I, I do like Colorado with that strong home court advantage. Yeah, and, and look, you got to be mentally tough when you're on that second and back-to-back in altitude. And, and you know, another pull behind the curtain you know, depending on what the line is, I'd probably be on Utah against UCLA as well. Uh, you know, premium picks Agreed. for me tonight were Colorado and Utah, and I'll probably go right back to Colorado and Utah, 
fading the USC and UCLA teams that mentally aren't that tough, that are playing out the rest of the season, are used to sea level, playing in elevation. Uh, I just like those picks. I, I isolated those games about a week or so ago, and we'll see how it comes to fruition. Again, best bet Colorado against SC. Sleepy and AJ best bet on North Carolina projected line over Duke minus four. You can follow Sleepy on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. You can follow AJ on Twitter at AJ is the real. Pick up their uh, premium picks at pregame.com. Any closing thoughts, AJ? I'm good, man. You all good, Sleepy? Actually, I got a bonus play for these guys. I'll throw it out there real quick. Oh, Saturday, oh, night. Here we go. Saturday night, Big West. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give you guys a game. UC Santa Barbara, Cal Poly. Not 100% sure where this line's going to come out or where this total's going to come out, but I have a really strong feeling that I know where this game's going to end up. I'll go ahead. I'll put it right up in the pregame.com forums, and I'll put the link there on Twitter, so be on the lookout for that late night Saturday bonus play at the Big West Conference. All right, you can check that out uh, at Twitter, at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Again, premium picks from A.J. Hoffman here. You can check that out at pregame.com. I'm merely Brad Powers. You can follow me on Twitter at Brad Powers, the number seven. Again, one last time, recapping the best bets. Merely Brad Powers. How many How many straight best bets have you won? Six and three, but that's not too bad. I mean, that's a long season. We merely Brad Powers. Plenty of... Plenty left, and guys, I think uh, memory serves correct. We swept the the board on best bets on the previous we podcast, did, so hopefully finally. we can do that again here. And that'll wrap it up as far as the uh, college basketball dream preview edition. Again, friendly reminder: the uh, next dream preview podcast, as far as college hoops goes, will come out on Tuesday, not Monday. And that podcast will cover you for all the conference tournament action. We'll talk to you on Tuesday. Enjoy your weekend, guys. Take care. Have a good one.